Wow. <clears throat> Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink of my coffee. I was That's too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> False start, knock office, five-yard penalty. I purposely timed that just perfectly. Wow. Just out now to get us, I think. she's taking a drink. In my say the black, do the red. This is so fitting as we're talking about the triduum. Wow. That I'm drinking out my liturgy mug that I drink out of every time I was we say, record. Do you have any mugs that aren't liturgy related? Yes, I do. And I have what? Star Wars mugs. I was going to say she Star has a Wars? Star Wars okay. mug. Uh, in my apartment, I have M&M mugs. So like Ooh. four different mugs of different colors of the M&Ms. Do you like M&Ms because you can't say M&Ms without saying Emma? Hmm. Um... I mean, I just like M&M's. Oh. Fact checker's going to say something. We also will, in the next few months here, have Cause for Joy coffee mugs available. Sam, you have one of those. Hey-oh. I don't know how you failed to mention that. Okay, well, yeah. that's also at my apartment, too. I took that one home. I drank out of that this morning just in preparation for this hey, session. Hey, look at so, that. Yeah. Is that yeah. technically a liturgy mug? Um, cause for Joy? Well, there's Our Lady Cause... Of our joy, right? Isn't there a special mass that you for could? That? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you could make it a liturgy. You can make I anything mean. liturgy if you try hard enough. Emma tries hard enough. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> I, okay. so we all love her for it because the liturgy isn't something that we just participate in on Sundays or the sacraments, but it's a way of life, right? It's a habitus. We've already discussed this. Can I just say I love that we're having this conversation as we're simultaneously eating our pita and hummus. Like, <laughs> you, you two are just sitting like cross-legged on the couch. <laughs> we're just kind of dipping our pitas into our hummus and drinking our coffee and just. Talking about liturgy. Like, this is awesome. This is liturgy. That's, That's my fire. That's what gets me fired so, up. Mary, Kate, what's your fire? What gets you fired up? <laughs> In terms of the faith or life? One faith and one not as explicitly faith. One faith, one Lord, one baptism? Nope. That's still one faith. <laughs> <laughs> so... a uh, things that get me fired up in the faith are, are feast days. So like, you know, today, uh, the, the day that we're recording is St. Joseph's feast day, but uh, especially the Holy Week. Actually, Jason proposed to me during Holy Week because he knows how much I love it. Nice. Which day? Holy Tuesday. Holy Tuesday. Because that was going to be the last day that the Adoration Chapel was going to be open. Oh, yeah. And it's traditionally when a lot of dioceses celebrate the Chrismas. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm glad he didn't propose on that Wednesday because isn't that spy Wednesday where we commemorate yes. Judas's betrayal so yeah. probably a good idea he did it on the <laughs> Tuesday but no I love Holy Week I love the Triduum some of my favorite feasts are you know Corpus Christi or uh, King of the Universe and mm-hmm. all that good stuff the King of Glory ah, sorry we just got it out of our head I <laughs> guys I ran out of pita and I still have hummus on my plate that's sad. oh man that was me throwing my plate on the table <laughs> And then I guess one thing that from life gets me fired up is my family. Mm. Don't get me talking about my family. I'll sit there and talk all day long. There you go. Kind of like me in the liturgy. Yeah. Actually, when I give talks, there are times where I have to say, humor me for a minute while I talk about the liturgy. And then you tell a dad joke and they're like, wait, that wasn't humor. No, I actually talk about the liturgy. (laughs) Or liturgy. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Liturgy of the sacraments or scripture. Yeah. I'm a nerd. I'll admit it. Hey, what, what gets you fired up, Father? 
what gets me fired up? Well, I mean, plus I'm Charles just thinking about it. Co- uh, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about it. That word fired up could mean a lot of different things. So it could be like, I'm so passionate because I love this so much and I'm ready to talk about it and share with this with others. Fired up could also be like, this makes me really angry and mad and it gets me really fired up. So it depends on what kind of connotation we're going with for fired up. Let's go joyful. Joyful. Uh, That would be fitting. This is cause for joy. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So when it comes to matters of faith, I think maybe uh, when it comes to like the freedom and the healing that Christ desires to bring us, I just get fired up, especially if I'm I'm preaching on something like that and just how the Lord kind of shatters through the lies that we maybe believe about ourselves or about him and how his truth comes in to set us free. I get pretty pumped up, I guess, about that. In terms of like non-faith things that I get joyfully fired up about, might have to think about that for a minute. I know, I'm sitting here thinking about what gets me fired up outside of faith stuff. Ice yeah. cream. Uh, I had ice cream last night, yeah. Yeah. I Anything outdoors, I would say. Yeah, like, you're pretty outdoorsy. I love to be outdoors. Like disc golf, sports, things like that get me fired up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like we were like talking just, about the last podcast, now that it's warming up and mm-hmm. we're able to get outside, get some fresh air, that, that does kind of pump me up when I'm mm-hmm. able to go just for a, a nice walk or something. It's just uh, refreshing and gets me excited for the spring and summer right. months right. to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, cool. We are continuing our journey in the Triduum. And just like recap, if you missed last episode or just kind of the introduction, the Triduum is it's the three holiest days of the entire year for us. And it's a call for us to not just go through the motions, but to really live with Jesus, to walk with him. Last episode, we talked about Holy Thursday and some of the different elements of Holy Thursday, not just the Mass of the Lord's Supper, but really focusing on Jesus being imprisoned overnight. Some beautiful reflections came from that. And so we hope that you've been able to pray with Jesus through that night as well as we prepare for the actual Holy Thursday, the actual sacred Paschal Triduum beginning next week. And so this week we are going to talk about Good Friday. So, Mary Kate, you have the Roman Missal in your lap. I do. Why don't you start us off? All right, here we go. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O God, who by the passion of Christ your Son, our Lord, abolished the death inherited from ancient sin by every succeeding generation, grant that, just as, being conformed to him, we have borne by the law of nature the image of the man of earth. So, by the sanctification of grace, we may bear the image of the man of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about Good Friday here. Mm-hmm. When I was preparing for this topic, there is so much with Good Friday that I really had to take it to prayer. Like, okay, what what do we want to talk about here? Because mm-hmm. there's, ugh, I, I just love the Triduum so much. And there's so much that goes into everything that we do in the Triduum. And so some of the things that I was thinking about, you know, the, the actual liturgy that we celebrate on Good Friday and, and what, what does that consist of and the actual passion itself, everything that happened to Christ. And I decided that I wanted to talk about Mary's role Ooh. in the passion. <sighs> I'm going to cry. specifically actually thinking of the movie the passion of the christ if you haven't seen it i'm gonna cry it's absolutely fantastic we watch it every good friday just as a good reminder 
and every year I feel like something else hits me from the movie but especially now becoming a mom the parts with Mary just oh mm-hmm. oof, my heart my heart and you know Simeon said you you yourself a, a sword will pierce your heart and so I, I think I, I really just want to dig into what you guys think about Mary's role and especially in viewing her through the lens of the passion of the Christ the movie kind of uh, give my own thoughts on uncertain scenes with Mary one of the very first things that you see with Mary is right after the scourging. Mm. Pontius Pilate's wife has brought her the cloths to clean up Christ's blood. And she just takes the towels and she goes after he has been dragged away and she cleans up Christ's blood. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's kind of a callback to two things. One, I thought of, when when I see that scene, I think of when there are accidents during the mass and either a host has fallen or a drop of precious blood and everything that goes into making sure that the area is kept clean and and whatnot but also just as a mom myself I I clean up after my kids Mm -hmm. and you see Mary as mother there she's she's cleaning up after her son she's she's cleaning up this blood because it is precious and every life is precious. And so when we're thinking about cleaning up after anyone, who, whoever it might be, you know, like Father, you help people clean up their souls in confession. And so I love that image of Mary just doing her daily duty, cleaning up after her child. Mm-hmm. A couple other parts that really, really get to me are when Christ meets Mary on the way. And there's that whole like imagery of him falling as a little child and then him falling there in front of her. And she goes to him and she says, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here. And I don't know how many times I've said that to my own children when they're crying, you know, mama's here. Mm -hmm. And he holds her face and he says, see mother, I make all things new. And I know so many times in my life when I've gone through, whether they're bigger reversions or smaller reversions, whenever like God has like said to me, like, okay, come on, get, get your head on straight. I always think of that, you know, I make all things new. That, that is one of my favorite lines is just that like he sees us in our brokenness and he makes it new so that we're not broken anymore. Can I just say that part of the movie when he falls and Mary runs to him? The crucifixion, yes, I'll get teary-eyed, and that's painful to watch. But that moment when Mary runs to him, mm-hmm. I sob. Oh, for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I cannot contain myself. This is why I probably watch The Passion of the Christ by myself alone. Like, <laughs> because I don't want people to see me sob like yeah. a baby. <laughs> oh, I don't it think is. I can get through that movie without sobbing mm-hmm. at least once. Well, yeah, but that particular part just, like, really, ugh. Oh, all the parts with Mary get me. Mm-hmm. That and the and the scourging. The scourging is yeah. oof. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, to get back on track, a couple other parts for me is when you see Mary go up to the cross mm. and she kisses his feet, and it mm. makes me think of when we go up on Good Friday and venerate the the crucifix or the cross, whatever is being displayed, and how. That is the first veneration of Mm. the Holy Cross. And 
I always think of that whenever I'm putting Mary Trez to bed because there's a crucifix hanging in her room. And she always says goodnight to her brothers, her dad, and me. And then I always say, okay, who, who do you got to say goodnight to next? And she says, Jesus. And I pick her up and she kisses his feet. And then she's ready to turn out the light and go to bed. I, I want to be able to show her as she gets older and is able to watch that movie that this is where we, we get this from. We get this mm -hmm. love for Christ from his mother. Mm. You know, we, we get this veneration for the cross from the fact that Mary was standing there with him. And then the final image that I really wanted to reflect on with Mary is her holding him after he's been taken down from the cross. And you, I mean, you see this image as, you know, the Pieta, the, fa the famous sculpture, but also just like in the movie, Mary's just staring straight at the viewer, holding her son, just as she would have held him as a newborn. But yet he's left this life. Just the sorrow in her eyes is is so striking i feel like that was just some of the things that i wanted to touch on was like okay this is what we see in the movie and a lot of it is tradition that has been handed down i think some of it has been visions from saints and whatnot and so i kind of wanted to pick you guys's brains and see you know what are your thoughts on mary's role in the passion so i don't know father do you want to take it away i have like four things kind of popping into my head <laughs> and is like, yeah, I don't know which one necessarily to go with, but I'm, I'm just going to kind of pick one and maybe I can come back to the other ones because it, it just brings up so much. I think it's such a, a rich image and just traveling with our Blessed Mother, going through the passion, seeing it through her eyes and with mm -hmm. her heart. But one of the things that it uh, brings to mind for me is when I was ordained, there's the part of the ordination where the man to be ordained goes down in front of the altar after he's made all of his promises and he lies prostrate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a very vivid symbol. Those who have been to an ordination before are familiar with that image. And so I'd kind of like prepared my family beforehand and told them like, at that point, I'm going to go down, I'm going to lie prostrate. And it has a lot of symbolism behind it. It's a, it's a gesture of humility before our Lord. It's a gesture of, you know, surrendering and, and handing over my life to the Lord and to his bride, now my bride, the church. But the day that I was ordained, I was talking to my family afterwards. What was a what was a grace for you or what was something that struck you about the liturgy um, that you weren't really expecting? And both my mom and my sister said that at the moment when I went to lie down to go prostrate, they both had this urge to go and help me up, mm. but they couldn't. They had to stay there and watch me lie down in that very vulnerable posture and just let me <laughs> like lay down my life you know wow. and as soon as they said that I was like man that must have been a glimpse into what it must have been like for Mary to say I can't stop this I have to let my son go through this and the utter powerlessness she must have felt in that and to go against that motherly urge she would have had to get in there and say guys stop picking on my son leave him alone you know and just <laughs> right, like right. try to embrace him she had to she gave her fiat, she gave her surrender to the Father's will when she conceived him in her womb, and she had to continue to give that consent, that let it be done, even throughout the Passion. And so that's, that's always been a very vivid image that sticks out to me as I consider uh, what it must have been like for Mary to go through her son's Passion. 
Wow. I would say for me to kind of go along those lines, you know, Mary is considered, you know, co-redemptrix, where Mm -hmm. she works with Christ in redemption, which is why there was the prophecy that a sword would pierce her heart Mm -hmm. and that she would suffer spiritually while her son suffered physically. And so, which then leads way for her to be the mediatrix of all graces. And it's through her prayers. This is why she's such a powerful intercessor, because as, as a mother knows the needs of her children, right? In that moment, she is now stepping into her role as caring for her children, you know, that, yes, she has to watch her son suffer, but there's that change of role at that moment, you know, where Jesus, I mean, he's on the cross and he says, woman, which, I mean, we get clear back in Genesis, right, where we talk, where we hear the, the phrase woman, and now we get the new Eve being present before us, that Mary now embraces the church as her mother. And so there's that, that working with her son for the redemption of souls, but then also knowing her children so well, knowing the church so well and the needs of the church that she's able to say, Jesus, my son, tend to your flock, you know, here or here, or this person needs your help, you know. And so there's that, that true maternal motherhood that I see that on the cross, as Jesus looks at his mother, he's surrendering that. He's surrendering his own mother. He's surrendering that own maternal care just for himself to now be handed to the church. Mm -hmm. That image of the servant giving up his source, right? His protection from his mother to then be part of the church, you know, the mother of the church. So, and I found this again, coming from Fulton Sheen in the life of Christ. I'm telling you guys got to read it, but talking about who was present at the cross. And so Fulton writes, close to the cross was the only apostle present, John, whose face was like a cast molded out of love. Magdalene, so he calls Mary Magdalene, he just says Magdalene, was there too, like a broken flower, a wounded thing. But foremost, among all, God pity her was his own mother. Mary, Magdalene, John, innocence, penitence, and priesthood. The three types of souls forever to be found beneath the cross of Christ. Mm. And that just, you know, we, we get this image of Mary the innocence of Mary, our blessed mother, being there gazing upon her son, kissing his feet, but also bringing that innocence and that purity. Because in the innocence in that part, meaning purity, right? Mm-hmm. We're using it as purity to bestow on us, her children. Mm-hmm. You know, just that, that pure love, that pure service, the pure joy that she brings us, right? That even as she was watching her son suffer and the swords piercing her heart, there was that joy because she knew, she knew what was happening and she was cooperating with it. And when we cooperate with grace, we receive joy. Even if we don't like it, there's that joy there for cooperating with the grace. And so that was just kind of where my brain was traveling. You know, Mary being co-redemptrix, working with Christ in redemption, being a mediatrix of all grace, right? She's mediating graces to her children and that innocence and purity that she brings to the church as well and brings to each of us. And how do we live an innocent and pure life as well to, to draw closer to Jesus? So mm-hmm. that's what I was kind of reflecting on from the good old Fulton Sheen. Yeah. And I think, I feel like two things kind of came to my mind on both of what you guys said was, you know, with the innocence 
it was just you know that that image of Mary Trez kissing his his feet mm. you know the innocence of a child and Mary shows us how to be like that and then just in how difficult it must have been to watch her son travel this way and not be able to do anything I'm mean, just thinking back on all the times I run to my children and help them whether it's to feed them whether Mary Tress has fallen and bumped her toe or you know whatever it might be I go to them and I comfort them I hold them in my arms I give them kisses I hug them you know I make it better that's what a mom does I make it better but she had to hold back she couldn't make it better mm-hmm. she had to let it happen mm-hmm. because that's the only way that we could all be saved and she knew that mm-hmm. and so it's just like absolutely beautiful and powerful to to really reflect on what she went through she let go of her own will mm-hmm. right she let go of her own will so that the grace and the betterment of the entire body of Christ would be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And how much of that is a call for us to let go of our own will so that Christ can work through us for the betterment of his body, the church. Mm -hmm. I would say, too, um, to kind of give a complementary perspective from the the male perspective, you're speaking more from like the maternal instinct Mm -hmm. and relating to what that must have been like for Mary. And I think the other side of the coin to that is to think of the beloved disciple who's at the foot mm-hmm. of the cross. It's, it's interesting in scripture, in John's gospel, whenever you see the words, you know, St. John, it's referring solely to St. John the apostle. But every time in John's gospel where it says the beloved disciple, in one sense, it's referring to John, but in another sense, it's meant to be more broad and it's meant to include all of us and it's meant to include the church. So when you read the account and it says, that Jesus says, behold your mother to the beloved disciple there. That's, Emma, where you got that image of Jesus entrusting Mary to us, the church, mm-hmm. but also entrusting her to all of us. And actually in the Greek, when it says that the disciple then took her into his home, a translation of that word home is actually into like everything of his. In other words, all that made up who he was, he took Mary into. I think that that's a beautiful image for us to consider like do we bring Mary into every kind of part of who we are let her be mother to every place in our hearts and to think of how St. John also would have had that sort of sense of powerlessness as he's at the foot of the cross he can't really do much and maybe in in some ways like for men that can be especially challenging when you have a problem you want to fix you want to go in and then you can't sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult for men to kind of accept that they can't do anything to help. And so St. John, you know, he's also struggling probably in that moment of a feeling of powerlessness of I can't do anything to stop this and I can't do anything, it seems, to help. And yet Jesus says, like, behold your mother and take her into all of your things. Take her into your home. That would have been like entrusting John with a certain sense of mission so that you're not just sitting there with no purpose. It's a sense of, I'm giving you something to do, quote unquote, during this time, and that's to take Mary into your home. So I've just, I've loved praying with that image as well. And sometimes uh, that image of sometimes we just have to sit at the foot of the cross and just be in solidarity Mm. with Mary and just sit there at the cross. And then sometimes Jesus entrusts certain missions to us for us to do things. But first and foremost, it's to be with him as he brings about the salvation of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're called to 
pick up our cross and follow him. Mm-hmm. We are called to unite our hearts to his his suffering on the cross. And our baptism, when we are baptized priest, prophet, and king, part of our priesthood, you know, as kingdom priests, as the common priesthood, is to make prayer and offer sacrifice and to unite them to the cross because it's at the cross in which the consummation is poured out. The completion of this new covenant is being brought to fulfillment on the cross and we are to unite our intentions, right? Our sufferings, our fastings, everything to the cross because it's there that they are transformed. Mm -hmm. And at the same point, you know, Mary's standing there offering, like watching her son, uniting her heart to her son's heart at that moment. And there's a transformation in her, you know, right, to even take on the new role in which she's being called to. And so it's just that good reminder of we sit with Jesus at the foot of the cross, but recognize that we don't just sit there and walk away unchanged, but we sit there and we are transformed Mm -hmm. because that's what the cross does. You know, the cross transforms everything, whether we recognize it or not. We sit with Jesus. We're there even in the mess, but he's transforming it through the power of the cross. That's why I was thinking of, you know, when you when you picture Mary Magdalene, John, the beloved disciple, and all of us, and also our Blessed Mother just standing at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. It's just imagining our entire bodies are being transformed in, into what Jesus wants them to be transformed into, right? Mm-hmm. So. Another thing that kind of I really liked, Father, that you mentioned is that the word for home is like everything. And it made me think of in the consecration to Jesus through Mary, the consecration prayer says, In the presence of all the heavenly court, I choose thee this day for my mother and mistress. I deliver and consecrate to thee as thy slave, my body and soul, my goods, both interior and exterior, and even the value of all my good actions, past, present, and future, leaving to thee the entire and full right of disposing of me and all that belongs to me, without exception, according to thy good pleasure, for the greater glory of God in time and in eternity. And that's like everything. That's literally what that prayer is saying, is that I give everything to Jesus through Mary. And so I I thought that was really interesting that that prayer includes that when you know home meant everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah every nook and cranny (laughs) yeah right and that's and I think it's hard for us to remember that though when we're going through our own challenges when we feel like we're in the desert it's I think easy for us to forget that Jesus was suffering he was suffering on the cross and so was Mary Mm mm-hmm But how often do we think, oh my gosh, we're suffering, we're trying to run away from the cross and we're not joining them. We're not offering our entire self to that moment, Mm -hmm. but we just want to pull away. And I think you mentioned, I don't know if it was in last episode or this episode, when people hurt us, we might want to pull away. And when we do that, we also pull away from Jesus and how we need to look to Mary, that she was in more pain than what we could ever imagine, right, watching her son on the cross and how do we but yet she was there giving her all to that moment you know what can we do to to join her and to look to her as that model to give Jesus everything at that moment and allowing her to be that mother to really just also love us in the most tender tender parts of our hearts you know so that's what I think of too (laughs) that whole giving of ourselves and giving our all when you know when we're wounded 
it's so hard to do that. Mm-hmm. And and it's so hard to carry our cross and, and follow him. So, And that's why I just think we have to remember that, that it's the cross that transforms. It's yeah. I mean, and transformation is painful, but it's ultimately not the end. It's the pain that brings to the glory that is to come. So... I just say that, yeah, thinking about Mary at the foot of the cross, going through the passion, I just know that this whole image of everything we're talking about has been very helpful for me of coming to know Mary and being able to develop a relationship with her because I think, you know, early on in my days of diving back into the Catholic faith after I was sort of fallen away for a bit, there was a lot about Mary that intimidated me or that didn't make a lot of sense or it seemed like all the statues and artwork I saw of her were kind of depicting her in all of her glory and as queen of heaven and all of these really lovely images that are true and and beautiful and good, but at the same time left me feeling like I can't really relate to that Mm -hmm. or she can't get close to me in my like messiness or in my sin or in my trials because she's up there safe in heaven as the glorious queen of heaven. But I think you have to hold that in tandem with this image that we're talking about of Mary journeying through the passion and then ultimately ending at the foot of the cross and just to realize yeah she is our glorious mother and queen of heaven and earth all of that is true and at the same time she knows what it's like to have mud and blood and dirt Mm -hmm. on her hands and to be with people in some of their most challenging times so I just think both images are helpful for us to keep in mind of Mary yeah she's she's that model of a servant as well the humble servant and it's just, I mean, it's beautiful in the church. We always get the masculine and feminine, right? The masculine genius and the feminine genius where, you know, Jesus or the beloved John, the disciple, showing that masculinity and welcoming the mother into his home, welcoming everything. And so just that beauty of... Just like Joseph had to. Yep, yeah. exactly. So, which, yeah. you know, yay for St. Joseph! Woo! Terror of demons. Oh, Let's go. Actually, my favorite is the side tangent about saint joseph when you when you pray the litany of saint joseph is it i want to make sure i get it right the zealous defender of christ let's go that's my favorite like title zealous defender of christ when when we were praying it earlier the one that really hit me was mirror of patience and maybe that's just because i'm potty training right now <laughs> but <laughs> you're potty training your daughter i'm potty training my daughter yeah yes. yeah, yeah. uh so i was I'd like be man. A little concerned if that was you. right oh yeah so. yeah St. Joseph, he, uh, he's a good role model for all of us, right? Amen. Holy family. The Holy Family in general is just a good model. So, mm-hmm. But there was something else, too, that I wanted to, to point out. Just This is more focusing on like Christ on the cross, especially his blood poured out, where it's another Fulton Sheen thing. And he says, since sin is in the blood, it must be poured out. And you know, it was poured out in the scourging. It was poured out especially on the cross. But when you think of the blood, that you know, that is the innermost. Like that's what keeps us alive, right? It's the the blood gives nutrients to our body. And if sin is at the core, how much it can affect our body mm-hmm. when it's there. So something you're just reflecting on on Good Friday, you know, when Christ's blood is being poured out. It's being poured out. Obviously, his blood is pure. It's the precious blood. It removes sin. But are we willing to pour out our blood that is infected with sin to be replaced with his precious blood? Mm. You know, are we willing to do that? And part of that comes with sitting with him at the cross. And so that's just something that I was thinking about. If his blood is pure and it's being poured out, 
and our blood is not pure, right? It's infected with sin because we are fallen creatures. Are we willing to let our sin be poured out, which means death, so that we may be filled with the precious blood and cleansed? So I know that's not necessarily Mary related, yeah. you know, viewing it through the, through the eyes of Mary, but it could also be just another point of reflection. You know, are we willing to go through that painful death to experience the transformation of the cross? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know if you guys have any else to add to that, but it kind of kind of went deep. I'm sorry. No, but that's no, what I was I just thinking. So yeah, that was that. I think that hit home. I'm, I don't have anything to add. Yeah, I'm just trying to process that that quote and just thinking of you know unless the grain of wheat falls to the mm-hmm. earth and dies it, may, it remains a single grain if it dies it bears much fruit and that's mm-hmm. just a powerful way of expanding on it so mm-hmm. sweet right die to self we yes die to self absolutely cool anything else on good friday that's what i've got anything from you guys I just want to point out from a liturgical standpoint, we were talking about this before we, well, before we recorded, we were talking about this, how, you know, when we get to the, to the Triduum, it, it's actually one liturgy, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Easter. And so you may wonder if you go to the Good Friday service, it's not a Mass. So Good Friday is the only day in the entire liturgical calendar in which Mass is not celebrated, which there's no sacrifice that's offered. Why? Because we are remembering the sacrifice on the cross and we are being with Jesus in that moment. And so you'll notice that the Good Friday liturgy starts in silence. There's no opening song or anything. And the ministers, so the priests, and if there's a deacon, they'll come in and they lay prostrate right before the altar. And then it begins with, there's the prayer that the Mary Kate prayed at the beginning, or there's also another option that they can pray as well. And there's no beginning, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because it's a continuation of the liturgy that happened the night before. And just as Holy Thursday, there's no final blessing. There's just, you go to the altar of repose, and the altar is stripped bare. So it's a continuation. Again, it's a a diving deeper into the great mystery of our Lord in his final hours. So just like, if you're wondering why that's the case, and again, after Good Friday, there's no final blessing. It just ends Mm -hmm. to be picked up at the Easter Vigil, which we will talk about a little bit next week when we talk about Holy Saturday into Easter. So, And I do have a challenge for everyone. A good practice that my family has always done on Good Friday is from noon until three, my family has always stayed silent. I mean, if if we're at Good Friday services, obviously we'll we'll partake in that. But any moment that we're not at the service, we remain silent, remembering Christ on the cross. And so I, I challenge everyone to, if, you, if you'd like to, do that this year on Good Friday and just really immerse yourself mm-hmm. in the somberness of Good Friday. And so, yeah, that's, that's just my, my encouragement to you is just really live it. Be with Mary, be with John, be with Magdalene, live the passion with mm-hmm. them. Well, and, and to remember that Good Friday is a day of fasting and abstinence, right? Yes. So, but also there's the Paschal fast too. So Lent ends, you know, right before the, like the Mass of the Lord's Supper, Lent itself actually ends, but then there's the Paschal fast as well, mm-hmm. where really entering into the fast of you know, Holy, the end of Holy Thursday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday, just also another way for us to be able to enter in deeper into prayer to even withhold certain foods or just uh, pleasures or whatever from our body so that we can also draw closer to our Lord. So mm-hmm. something else to remember as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Anything One else? joys. 
One George. Ooh. Father, Man. go. Okay. So just like I mentioned during Advent, this is a season where a lot of people are coming back to confession. Praise the Lord. So lots of communal uh, reconciliation services and individual appointments and then our usual times at the parish. And so just in the last few weeks, there has just been a lot of people seeking the sacrament, which is really beautiful. It will tire me out sometimes if it's just like a lot and a lot of days in a row, but it's always so like rewarding and I feel like very joyful afterwards. So just really grateful for this season where, where people are desiring that deeper conversion of hearts and are taking advantage of this beautiful sacrament. So it's been a joy for me. Emma. Ooh, I actually panicked because I forgot that we were doing these and I didn't think of one. But I would say that my one joy is, so part of my Lenten journey has been to read Pope Benedict XVI, Joseph Ratzinger's book, Holy Week. So it's part of the Jesus of Nazareth series and it's part two of the Jesus of Nazareth series, but it's Holy Week. And so he dives into Jesus heading to Jerusalem. So he's in Galilee. He goes to Jerusalem. Like he's, there's this image of he's ascending to Jerusalem from Galilee, right? And so there's this ascent and just the beautiful imagery from the get-go when he enters into Jerusalem all through Holy Week. So that's been a joy of mine. Just, I mean, I love to read. I love Benedict XVI. So uh, it just brings great joy to my heart. Cool. Go cool. for it. All right. So my one joy is kind of ironic. My one joy is potty training because it's actually not very joyful at all unless she actually doesn't have an accident. Then it's very joyful and she gets candy and mom is very happy, but it's calling me out of myself. It's calling me into deeper communion with the Lord because I know that even though I feel very alone, he is with me. Hmm. And it's actually, Father, you mentioned in your homily this morning at Mass that the Holy Family was messy. And, and they experienced the day-to-day life of everything that we experience. And so something that I've been also thinking about lately was Mary had to potty train Jesus. Amen. Mm. And so I can I can go to her, you know, just like we've been talking about in this episode, go to Mary. And I can go to Mary and be like, all right, I need your help on this one because <laughs> she's stubborn. Right, right, right. And so it's really been calling me to greater selflessness and, and greater communion with our Lord and Mary. So that is my one joy. Awesome. Cool. Cool beans. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for continuing to journey with us uh, through Holy Week. And uh, we hope that it's been fruitful and we hope that it's been just impactful on your prayer life too, like that we've given you maybe some points to meditate and reflect on as we near the holiest of holy days in the entire calendar. So know that we are praying for you. We ask for your prayers for us. And until next week, peace. I thought you guys were going to fill in with something else. God I mean, bless. Okay. What Anyways, else to fill in with? I don't know. Anyways, just Love know you. that we're praying for, for you. Please pray for us and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.